Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the NoSilicast Podcast, hosted at PodFeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever-so-slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, December 19th, 2021, and this is show number 867. Well, I really want to thank the NoSilicast ways for coming through on listener reviews. We've got a full-length show lined up for this week and Christmas weekend, and a really good start on New Year's weekend. So this is fantastic. I was able to spend uh, some quality time with, uh, Steve and I got to spend time with our son Kyle for his birthday, and uh, you guys are really helping us out. Oh, and I got to finish a video tutorial for Don McAllister's Screencast Online without undue stress. So this has really been great, and, and all the reviews are fantastic. Now, before we get started, though, I want to make sure everyone knows there will be no live show on the 26th of December. And the way you're going to remember it is because the next NoSilicast is actually going to come out on the 23rd, in theory, anyway. Maybe it'll give you something fun to listen to as you do your holiday driving, you know, over the hills to grandmother's house and all that. Now, I also want to do one quick follow-up item. Remember last week, I think it was, maybe the week before, I told you about the inexpensive HomeKit-compatible smart plugs from Meros? The end of my story was that the only thing I could find wrong with them was that we couldn't find anything left in the house to automate. Well, guess what? We not only found two more things to automate, we bought two more Marrow smart plugs because we found two more things after that that we wanted to automate. So never underestimate your ability to find things that you need to automate. This week's guest on Chit Chat Across the Pond was Adam Angst, publisher of the long-running internet-based email newsletter, Tidbits. He came on the show to talk about an article he wrote for Tidbits about the manifesto for ubiquitous linking. Adam started our conversation by taking us into the Wayback Machine to learn about Project Xanadu, which was the vision of Ted Nelson to link all information bidirectionally. Working off that foundational vision, Adam explains that a group of developers and tech visionaries have created the Manifesto for Ubiquitous Linking as a way to encourage the concept of linking as much information as we can within and between apps and operating systems. At the link to the Manifesto, you can learn more about the originators, the vision, and the technical requirements for making this all work. Adam even gives us a call to action at the end if we'd like to help see this future realized. Now, I told Adam at the end of this conversation that I knew it was a great talk because my cheeks hurt from smiling talking to him. So I highly encourage you to go over to your podcatcher of choice and subscribe to Chit Chat Across the Pond or Chit Chat Across the Pond Lite and look for episode 709 with Adam Angst on the Manifesto for Ubiquitous Linking. And of course, you can follow the link in the show notes. Greetings, castaways. Mike Price here, or Grumpy in the Podfeet Slack, with a review of a travel router called Barrel. For the past decade or so, when I have traveled, I have always brought along a router with me for hotel stays. Initially, my rationale for bringing a router was to avoid per-device charges and other limitations imposed by the hotel Wi-Fi. While over time, these fees and limitations have been discontinued, I have become more aware of the potential for security threats when connecting to public unencrypted Wi-Fi, and thus I have continued to bring along a router with me on my travels. Over the past several years, I have been using the ASUS WL330N portable wireless N router as my travel router of choice. However, in the past year or so, I have been having trouble maintaining a reliable network connection with the multiple devices that I bring along with me, specifically my Apple TV, and streaming lots of content. Additionally, 
the WL330N is no longer receiving firmware updates from ASUS, and we all know what Art thinks about internet-connected routers that are no longer receiving updates. So my problem to be solved is to find a replacement travel router, and hence my review. Enter my new little travel buddy, Beryl, the GLMT1300 from GL.INET. According to the box, Beryl is a pocket-sized travel router with top-notch security features. While I think that pocket-sized might be a bit of a stretch, as it is the size of a deck of playing cards, it is packed with features, including security. Barrel is a modern-day ABGNAC router. It is not Wi-Fi 6, though. It comes with OpenWRT firmware pre-installed and allows for custom firmware to be installed as well. In addition to the typical travel router features supporting multiple modes of access to the Internet, router, Wi-Fi repeater rebroadcaster, USB modem, and cellular tethering, there are many other features uh, that you can find in the show notes. But the ones that are of specific note is VPN support for both OpenVPN clients and servers, as well as WireGuard. On a recent trip over the Thanksgiving holiday that included four hotel stays at three hotel chains, Holiday Inn Express, Radisson, and Hampton Inn, I had my first opportunity to put the barrel to the test. I am happy to report that Beryl lives up to all that was promised on the box. I had little problems connecting to the public Wi-Fi at each of the hotels, a little more on that in a bit, and once connected, all of my devices, two iPhones, two Apple Watches, one iPad, and one Apple TV, were able to connect and operate without issue. I was able to use Apple Fitness Plus and stream the season finale of Foundation, as well as the first two episodes of Marvel's Hawkeye series without any buffering or stuttering. Additionally, I was able to connect Beryl to the VPN server that I run from my home, so all of my internet traffic was protected from the public Wi-Fi offered by the hotels. I am very happy with this purchase and look forward to using it for many years to come. The barrel can be purchased at Amazon for about $90 USD. See the show notes for a link to Amazon as well as links to the manufacturer's website. I also wanted to mention a couple other things regarding this router. First, this router has a previous version called the Slate and the Slate is still available for sale and has very good recent reviews online. It is a little less expensive with a little lesser, uh, but still very adequate performance. And the second thing to note is that there appears to be a new version of this router on the horizon called Opal. Opal looks to be uh, a lower cost option with many, if not all of the uh, features and performance of the barrel. The tagline for the Opal states that it is a cost-effective pocket router. I'm not sure when that's going to release, but if you're not quite in the market for a travel router, you may want to hold back and keep your eyes on that one before making a purchase. And as a bonus, here are a couple of tiny tips related to using a travel router. 
One of the tricks I've employed with my use of travel routers is to set the Wi-Fi, SSID, and security settings of the router to be identical to my home network. This way, all of my devices just connect without needing any help from me whatsoever. It's a very handy little trick. The only downside is that, the, that until the router is properly connected to the hotel Wi-Fi, the other devices will be unable to connect to the internet, which may annoy the other members of your travel party for a short time. And it goes without saying, do not do this if your home Wi-Fi is set to be an open Wi-Fi network without any security. The second tip relates to dealing with that pesky captive portal. Connecting a travel router to a hotel Wi-Fi can be challenging because of the captive portal that is used at most hotel chains. For those that don't know, the captive portal is the mechanism the hotels use to block internet access until you have authenticated as a valid hotel guest. Typically, you do this by entering the last name on the reservation and the room number. Uh, and once authenticated, you can then connect to the internet. And of course, they take the opportunity to upsell a higher internet bandwidth package at, for a nominal fee. To get the router connected to the hotel Wi-Fi, another feature of the bar barrel was critically important. The barrel allows you to set the MAC address uh, used by the router. So to get past the captive portal, I found the following process worked at all of my recent stays. First, I connected my iPhone directly to the hotel Wi-Fi. Um, and as soon as I did that, I was prompted to authenticate as a valid hotel guest and get past the captive portal. Once I was um, able to connect to the internet, I disabled uh, auto join on that, the hotel Wi-Fi uh, on my phone and also made note of the MAC address that was used uh, to connect to the, um, the hotel Wi-Fi. When using iOS versions 14 and 15, uh, Apple introduced the private address feature, which is on by default for most Wi-Fi connections. Um, I then disconnected my phone from the hotel Wi-Fi and turned on the, uh, the barrel and disabled the VPN as it was probably active from my prior stay. I then went to the settings page on the barrel and pasted in the MAC address, the same MAC address that was used from my phone uh, into the barrel's settings. So now the barrel uh, would be using the same MAC address and the hotel Wi-Fi would think that um, the barrel was actually my phone. And once doing that and rebooting the barrel, I was able to connect um, without any issues. Um, and then once connected and I verified that uh, the barrel was connected to uh, the internet, I would then enable the VPN and, uh, and all my traffic would be nice and secure henceforth. Now, one of the things I should mention is that um, 
some hotels make you re-authenticate uh, if you're on a longer stay. Um, so the uh, captive portal might have to be, the captive portal dance might have to be redone um, every uh, few days or depending on what the hotel's policies are. But that was a, a nice trick to get over, uh, to get around the captive portal uh, and be able to connect the travel router to uh, the hotel Wi-Fi. So there you have it. The barrel from GL.INAT is a great little travel router uh, that I'm very, very happy with. And it allows me to compute happily and stay secure. Well, thank you so much for that, Mike. That's really interesting. Um, I posted the link to the blog post that uh, Mike wrote and uh, in our Slack at podfeet.com slash Slack, and you should join it there. And Bart made the best comment. He said, isn't that the cutest little router you've ever seen? It's, it is pocket size. It's like the size of the palm of your hand. Uh, and the price is sure right. So uh, that, that definitely looks like a good little stocking stuffer I need, might need to pick up. Hi. This is Sandy Foster with a review of 12 South's PowerPick Mod Wireless Charger. First of all, I should say that I've purchased from 12 South before. I have their AirFly Bluetooth transmitter for wireless headphones, which I've loved using on airplanes in the past and will again when I can finally travel once more. I also have the AirSnap Pro, a very nice leather case for my AirPods Pro. Mine is a pretty pale blue color since I'm not big on brown, the other option, and it has a carabiner to snap securely onto my bag. It also allows for charging the AirPods either with a cable or wirelessly without removing the case. I added the PowerPick mod to my collection recently when it was on a Black Friday special. I chose the white model, and I like it very much. I keep it on my bedside table, but it would be equally at home in any room of the house as it's really quite good looking. So what is it, and what problem does it solve? Basically, it's a Qi charger that will charge an iPhone or AirPods like many other chargers. However, it's also a picture frame, which is a very nice touch. You can use the included graphic, or you can opt for a photo from your own collection. This solves the aesthetic problem of so many chargers being rather odd-looking, if not downright ugly, if that's important to you. So how does this charger work? The PowerPick mod is a Lucite base with a wide slot in the bottom into which a pair of Lucite slabs slide after adding your photo or graphic between them. The two slabs are held together with tiny magnets and the entire thing slides quite firmly into the slot in the base. Since it takes a bit of force to get that put together, it's not going to fall apart when you move it. Additionally, the picture-holding frame can be inserted into the base either in portrait or landscape orientation according to your preference. Included in the well-thought-out packaging is a USB-C cable, though you will need to provide your own 20-watt USB-C power adapter. I found it extremely easy to use. I simply place my iPhone 13 Pro up against the photo, and it connects and charges without any drama or fiddling. Even the camera bump isn't a problem. Because the phone is charging vertically rather than flat on my bedside table, it takes up very little space, and I can rely on my phone being completely charged in the morning. 
This is such a cute idea. Sandy sent a photo, and it's in the show notes, of uh, her a dog on her screen of her phone. But behind it, you can see the uh, the picture that she put in the picture frame in the in the charger. And it's just kind of an interesting idea that your electronics can be a little piece of art when you're not actually using them. Thank you so much, Sandy. Really appreciate it. Hello, everyone. Bodie here, and I would like to talk to you about the Apple Watch. And more specifically, I want to talk to you about family setup and the Apple Watch. I know the Nozilla Castaways are a very tech-savvy group, but I'm just going to go over the basics of family setup for the Apple Watch, just in case there are people out there who aren't really familiar with it. What family setup allows you to do is to set up an Apple Watch for a family member who doesn't own an iPhone. For example, this could be for a spouse who doesn't necessarily like technology. They don't want to carry a phone around, but you still need to get a hold of them so you can set this up and they can receive phone calls and send texts from their Apple Watch. Another example might be a relative who's got a lot of medical issues and you want them to be able to call you or 911 just in case of an emergency. And that's really important. But more important than that, you're also giving this relative the ability to interact with other people outside of their house which we've all learned over the last, you know, nearly two years, how important it is for us mentally to stay connected with one another. And my last example is the one that is most relevant to my situation, and that is kids. My kids are getting to the age where they're starting to get more independence outside of the house. And that's a good thing. My wife and I don't want to take that away from them. They're roaming the neighborhood a little bit more. They're coming home on the bus and they're making sure they get to the house on their own. And what my wife and I wanted to do was to give my kids a little bit more independence, but allow us to contact them when we need to or them to contact us just in case there's an emergency. Well, here's the problem. My wife and I use a cell provider called Visible with a V like Victor. Visible is an MVNO, which is a mobile virtual network operator that is owned by Verizon. I'm not here to shill for Visible, but it is a really good company and I'm very happy with it so far. And I've been on it for about four years. Anyway, the problem is with Visible is they don't have the, they don't support family setup on their network, even though Verizon does. You can add a Apple Watch to your Visible account for $5 a month, which is ridiculously cheap but it is attached to your phone number that's on your iPhone. So that didn't work for my wife and I, which was very unfortunate because we're both really happy with the service, but it looked like we were going to have to switch to a different provider. So that left us with AT&T, T-Mobile. And finally, there's Verizon. Verizon owns Visible, so it makes the most amount of sense for our family to go with Verizon, even though it's going to cost more money. We're really happy with the service. So I go to my local Verizon store. I say, hey, I want to switch over from Visible to Verizon. They're like, great. They try to switch the numbers over. And since Visible owns Verizon, it's already a Verizon number. And I can't switch from Visible to Verizon without first switching to AT&T or T-Mobile or some other cell provider, which that's not going to work for me. So I went to Apple's support page to see if there were any other supported carriers. And it turns out there's a couple of them. US Cellular. Not really a thing in my area. There's a, another uh, provider called C Spire, which is mostly in the Mississippi area. And then there's Truephone. And I was like, what is Truephone? Truephone is a company that's been around since 2006. They started as a voice over IP provider, but then eventually they worked their way into eSIMs. So you can, if you have a modern day phone, it could be an iPhone or an Android phone, 
you can get a virtual SIM and have a phone number for whatever country you're traveling to, or I guess even living in. So the really neat thing about TruePhone is you don't need to have your iPhone on their network in order to use Family Connect. And I think this is the only one, at least operating in the United States, this is the only cell provider that gives you that option. So all you need is iOS 14 on your phone, iOS, or excuse me, watchOS 7 on your watch, and you're willing to fork over $9.99 a month to TruePhone. And I was a little skeptical because I'm going to be honest, their website is not super slick. It's not bad. It's just very basic. So when I clicked the link from the Apple support page to go to the TruePhone family setup page, it tells you for $9.99 a month, you get a US phone number, unlimited data, voice and SMS, no lock-in contract, fast 4G data speeds and voice calls, which is everything we need and nothing we don't. Creating an account was super easy. Um, setting up the Apple Watches for both kids, it took no time at all, less than probably 30, 45 minutes total. And that includes creating the account and setting up the Apple Watches and making sure everything's working. Uh, it didn't take very long at all. The only downside is my kids don't have an Arizona area code, but that's not the end of the world. But let's get to the, the, the thing you all want to know about is how well does this work? It actually works really well. It is super easy for my kids to use. I can manage their watches from my iPhone. It's not a big deal. The only downside is that my kids will be up in their bedrooms and I'll be in the kitchen or something or maybe in the basement and they will call me or text me instead of walking their little booties down the stairs to talk to me. That's the only downside. So yeah, I've yammered on for long enough. Hopefully this is helpful to you. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season. I am so glad Bodhi sent this in, mostly so that all of you get an idea of how awesome Bodhi is. If you haven't checked out the Kilowatt podcast uh, by Bodhi, you are really missing something. Um, it is uh, centered on electric vehicles of all different types. He goes over the news, but he is one of the most self, self-deprecating podcasters I've ever met, and I just love him to pieces. So I hope you'll go over to 918 Digital and uh, check it out, or of course, look for the Kilowatt podcast podcast in your podcatcher of choice. Well, you know what that music means? It means it's time for a tiny tip. Have you ever copied a URL from a website to send to someone and it turns out to be giant, I mean like 10 lines long giant? It's embarrassing and it's also likely to turn off your recipient from clicking the link and seeing the funny TikTok video or buying the gift you wanted. There's a very easy method to make the link still work and yet shorten it up quite a bit. I learned this method because of an episode of Programming by Stealth where Bart taught us how URLs work and he broke them down into their constituent parts. These long URLs that you get are created so that the website receiving them could figure out how you got to their website or maybe how you searched within their website. For example, they might like to know what you search for to arrive at their site in hopes of measuring the success of their search methods. As an example, I went to Amazon and I searched for women's winter coats. I then selected one of the coats. The URL I copied after doing this search on Amazon is 430 characters long. In these giant URLs, you'll find a question mark. This question mark is the beginning of what is called the query string. After the question mark, you'll see some text followed by an equal sign and then some more text. The text before and after the equal sign is called a name value pair. In my code example, I can see keywords equal winter coats for women. You can see how this information would be valuable to Amazon. What did I search for? 
Now, that wouldn't be too stupid to have on the copied URL, but these URLs often go well beyond that. After the first query string, you may see an ampersand and another name value pair separated by equal signs. These can be readable, like the example I just gave, or they might be a giant pile of glops of text and numbers. And there's usually not just one of these name value pairs. There can be bunches and bunches of them. Here's the useful part of what I just explained. The entire query string can be removed from the URL, and it will still work to get to the same place on the web. Be sure to remove the question mark when you cut the query string off. After removing the query string on the giant URL for the winter coat on Amazon that I mentioned, the URL drops down from 430 characters to only 92. Now, it's a little tricky to select the text of a URL without actually letting it navigate there, but you'll get the hang of it after a while. I would suggest testing your newly shortened URL before sending it, just to make sure it still works. I use this trick all the time, and I think it increases the likelihood that my recipients will actually click my links. I hope you find it useful as well, and thanks to Bart for always teaching us something new. With this penultimate 2021 NoSellaCast, I'd like to take a quick pause to celebrate four more of our long-term patrons. Alex Friedman, Norbert Frasa, Frank Petrie, and Ian Lessing have all been supporting the show since 2018. These fine folks have chosen to be patrons of the show through Patreon by picking a dollar amount that shows their appreciation level for the work we do here. Now, inside your own little head there, I'd like you to thank them for helping bring this show to you. If you'd like to be fine folk like Alex, Norbert, Frank, and Ian, head on over to podfeet.com slash Patreon and pledge what you feel is right for you. Well, I'm excited to have uh, Barry Falk on the show today because um, he has a new toy that uh, I feel somewhat responsible for him getting. And uh, if you haven't met Barry before, this will be a real pleasure for all of you. Barry, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Allison. And yes, you are absolutely responsible, but I'm very excited to be talking about one of my new toys. All right, cool. Um, so Barry and I have known each other for a long time, but you go all the way back in the Mac community. Uh, Barry is responsible for the existence of uh, of the uh, uh, Mac conference we go to in Chicago, or we used to in the before times, and we will in the future times. Absolutely. So yeah, about uh, what about six years ago, I think, I think we ran so. the first Midwest Mac barbecue, which became kind of the uh, germ that started Mac stock. Don't say but germ. Yeah, I've been. <laughs> Or germinated, right? <laughs> yeah, no, those, don't say that. It was the brainchild that started the, the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. And part of that was by being part of the Mac community way back in the day in Macworld and user conferences and user meetings. I enjoyed them so much. And so it was really sad when that was put on hiatus. But of course, you know, things do change. So it's nice that we still have that opportunity. And, and thanks for having me around because, as you know, I do like to, well, when I can travel and just kind of show up at random. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a Coke Zero still waiting in the fridge for you that you left here like two years ago. So <laughs> it, it should be super fresh when you get here. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. I got a message from uh, Barry's fabulous wife, Bobby Ann, asking me about whether I could recommend a uh, a, a smart garage door opener, whether I thought that was a cool idea. And of course, I thought, yes, it's a cool idea. Um, but as I recall, what I told her was that I think it would remove half the fun of doing it if she picked it out for you, or if mm -hmm. I picked it out for you, that the fun would be researching and figuring out which one you could get. And I made a suggestion, but I think you actually did the research on your own, right? Yeah. So I did look at that point when, again, she had to tell me at some point that she had had this secret conversation with you. 
And I'm like, yeah, this is a really great idea. And I had had a couple of frustrations with what my current situation was, which was just a standard garage door. It worked fine. It had the remote kind of thing in the car, but over time, it seems like the quality was degrading. So I'd almost have to be right in front of the uh, garage door for it to open. I'm like, well, that's kind of pointless. Plus there was no automation at that point. So it really was a good opportunity to start looking. So I looked at different. Before you go on, I do want to, uh, I was really surprised to hear you say that because we thought we had a unique problem that our garage door, we would have to be right up on it. And it's like, you used to be able to get it as I made the turn in the driveway and I have to be in the driveway. Sometimes I have to press the thing five times. Sometimes it mm-hmm. wouldn't open at all. And yet, I mean, Steve played around with moving the antenna and everything, trying to get it to to be able to see when we were in the driveway. But it's like, it, it's exactly the way that you described it. It degraded. Exactly. And, it, and I was doing the same thing. I'm like, is there something wrong? I tried resetting the system, moving things around. Did I create new interference somehow? And I couldn't find anything logical. So at some point I just said, all right, now this is the inspiration I needed to let's look at something new and how can we you know, add it to HomeKit or some sort of automation so I can start doing some really cool things with it. Now, Barry so, is one of these people who doesn't just, uh, you know, get a smart light bulb and learn how to tell S lady or A lady or G man how to turn on a light. Um, you actually have uh, a, a, a smart plant in your house. You had to turn okay. your plant off before we started talking. <laughs> I've got one of those uh, arrow gardens that does the indoor water thing, and it's got you know timers and things, and it's all controlled remotely. But the problem is, is that the background noise is pretty loud, so I had to make sure I turned it off. Is so it yeah, when I'm, it's watering itself that it makes noise? Yeah, it kind of like circulates the water. It's it's really good. I mean, it's like I get a new bowl of lettuce about once a week out of this thing. Wow, that is really cool. I I also want to say it. We didn't realize what kind of luxury we live in with so much sunshine. As when we were Barry was at our house, and we said, "Hey, we should have oranges with breakfast." And we went out into the backyard and picked a couple. And Barry yeah, just sat there blew shaking my his mind. head. <laughs> I'm used to oranges coming in crates or bags at the grocery store, and that's it. Really, literally, is it? So yeah. it's uh, so it's neat that I can do these these kind of things. So that so it yeah, isn't I had to just shut off the arrow garden. It isn't just the convenience of being able to press a button and open the garage door. It's some automation that you're looking for, right? Absolutely. And kind of my goal was, is not only did I want to fix the issue where I was on top of the garage, because, okay, at least I don't have to go outside and lift it like I did as a kid. But I wanted to get to the point of, as I drive to the house, that it securely knows I'm in the vicinity and then open it up. I mean, that's really a simple but worthwhile goal. That never so, even occurred but, to me to do that, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm lazy. I mean, that's that's the driver, right? Is I'm lazy ultimately, but I'll spend a ton of time figuring it out so I have this wonderful automation. Well, and that's what I always say is to me, the automation is the best automation is when it knows what you want. I don't know why that never occurred to me. Now I've got to go do that. There you go. Okay. So which one which one did you choose? So we did a lot of research and ultimately I ended up with the Chamberlain smart garage door opener. And there are variations of them they come some come with a backup battery for example um some have cameras um, but of course the important thing was to make sure it could do some level of home kit because on its own they have their own system called my q and it has its own app and it's good but then those automations beyond just you know some basic opening like it's nice i can remotely check to see if it's on get the video but I couldn't do the automation, the geofencing or tying it to another command. 
And that's really where I wanted to go. So HomeKit was really important for me here. And they have a, a fairly wide range. And there are other similar garage door openers. In fact, I think LiftMaster and Chamberlain are essentially it's the same device. It's the same company. Yeah. 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 So uh, did you did you replace the large box that grabs hold of the cable and, and pulls up the garage door? You replace that? Personally, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed near power tools. So, which for good reason. That's what um, ATM so we did have a, credit cards are for. Exactly. I can write a check. I can give a credit card number. So I actually called the original installer that did it for this house and explained what I wanted to do. Did did they have experience with it? They're like, absolutely. So that was great. They came out, removed the old other one. We did run into one thing that it's kind of a gotcha. Make sure you know certain things like the height of your garage door and the length of that belt that's required to lift it up. Oh, Ours, the one out of the box was too short. It would only lift the garage door about halfway. Oh, so, you're kidding. How big yeah. is your garage? Uh, eh, it's, it's a pretty tall door. I'd say it's about eight or nine feet. Oh, I guess it's, okay. it's larger than standard. And because of that, we also had to pull it farther in to the garage. Right, right. Now, fortunately, these type of extenders are pretty common. So because the gentleman that was doing the work is a professional, he's like, hang on, I know what I need. I just need to run to the local depot store, grab it apart. He actually had to grab two just because the, the, of the length and install it. Not a problem. So that work was all done professionally. So replaced it all, replaced the sensors, replaced the, the buttons in the garage, and of course, the new remote. So that part was all done all working. Okay. So that, that was good. So, and then, you know, on the MyQ app, everything's working, but no, at no point here, do we have home kit automation yet? So that was step big step one. So great. First thing I did was to test the distance. This thing's fantastic. I can be like a block away and it'll <laughs> open my garage door. I'm like, Oh, this is fantastic. And on the phone, you can get notifications from the MyQ app and saying your garage door is open, your garage door is closed. Here's a feature I didn't even know existed on my, my car, is it'll even show the direction that the door is opening or closing. I'm like, well, that's cool. Oh, I didn't know that. One of the one of the things I like about uh, we have the MyQ garage door system as well, and and one of the things I really like is that it'll tell you if the garage door's been open for thirty minutes, and mm. I think I think you can set how long it is that it gives you a warning, um, and you can open it remotely, but you can also close it remotely. And when you go to close it remotely, it goes beep beep beep. Mm -hmm. beep. I mean, there you cannot miss this. Is I suppose as long as you can hear or see, you would know that the garage door was coming down. Yeah, it's a good safety feature. And the first time I tried doing it remotely, I freaked out. I'm like, what's going on? Why? Why? What's that noise? What's all that noise? From? Yeah. And yeah. Bob answered, well, did you read the instructions? No. <laughs> why would you? She's like, that? it's a safety feature built in. And then she smacked me with the instructions. So it served two purposes. <laughs> so, so that was really good. So at least that first part of the problem was solved. And I was really happy. And, and to a small degree, I'm like, okay, if nothing else. I'm in a better spot, but I hadn't gotten to that automation. And, and being able to do it with the app um, provides a couple of advantages if you needed to let someone into your garage, Absolutely. right? You've got a delivery person, you want them to put it inside something inside because it's raining or snowing or whatever ridiculous things happen in Chicago weather. Um, <laughs> but you could also, you could let a neighbor in to borrow a tool. There's a, there's a, a few different things you could use that for, right? Absolutely. And that's the nice thing is guest access, right? So friend comes over and I might be in the middle of a meeting. I'm like, Hey, I'll just open the garage door. Come on in. 
we have a cat sitter that comes in if we're out of town and same thing for her. And the nice thing is, is just like any other type of smart device that you're controlling access, like you were talking about the locks the other week, I can revoke the access if I need to. And that just gives you extra feeling of security. You're not giving them a physical device to open the door that in case something goes rogue, they're like, well, I still have access to Barry's house. That's not good. So I really like that feature. Plus, again, yeah, it's funny. I, I never thought to add anybody to my garage either. No, as as guest access, that never occurred to me either. I guess I could have been doing that. Yeah, but the, like you've got the August lock, and I know we've tested it. Out. It's really handy. Yeah, you know. So, I think you know again that's where I like the feature because there's no physical keys to deal with, and, and you know you're going to lose that or whatever. Here, I could literally wipe everybody out and start fresh in case I feel that there's any type of you know breach that could happen. Right, right. So now uh, at this point, you've got it working. It's doing the basic kind of stuff. But in order to add it to HomeKit, you actually needed another piece of hardware, correct? Exactly. There's the HomeKit hub. And it came with the package that we got because we specifically requested that. This is the MyQ hub. HomeKit hub, correct. Yeah. So you don't need this hub if if you're happy with just the MyQ piece. Mm -hmm. But if you want HomeKit integration, then you have to have this hub. Okay. And and it's a little... That went oh. super smoothly, right? <laughs> yeah, if super smooth means a month of frustration, throwing things and saying not suitable for work words, sure. <laughs> the definitions might be different than yours. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a little black box about, about you know three to four inches square. And it looks simple enough. Basically, you set it up, you, you, you power it up. It says, okay, put your phone near it, you know, give it the Wi-Fi. And, and and it's got just a series of blinking lights. And I'm like, I think it's solid green. So I think we should be good. So I went to the home app and I'm looking for this hub and I can't find it. I'm like, oh, I must've done something wrong. Try it again, reset it completely over. I'm like, I can't. And then sometimes it wouldn't even give me the solid green light. So I'm like, what's going on? And I, I kept trying it, kept trying it. And I'm like, Ugh. like, all right, I'll get back to it tomorrow. And then tomorrow become two days, three days. And I would try it maybe once. And I just, my frustration was boiling over. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This, you know, what kind of junk did Allison tell me that I should get? <laughs> so I just kind of said, sometimes I just need to put things away for a while. Kind of let my brain think about it or whatever and come back. And I, you, know, you just need a good, sometimes a couple hours to really focus on the issue. So after about four weeks, I did that. Started fresh. I'm like, great solid green light. I'm like, I still don't see it. I'm like, come on, what am I missing? And I did read the instructions. I was following them clearly and says, okay, then you should be able to do the next step. I'm like, but I don't see it in, in home, in the home app. So I went online. I said, I better, you know, you're going to probably find an answer of some sort online. And a whole bunch of YouTube videos came up and they walked through the process. So I'm watching them. It's the same model, similar garage door. Everything's the same. And as soon as they connected the bridge, they just jumped back into the MyQ app and then added it directly. Oh, they added it to Home from within HomeKit from within the MyQ app. Exactly. So you were looking in the Home app and it wasn't there to add. You had to push it from the other side, maybe? Yeah, and, and that was it. And I'm, and I'm not sure why. It didn't quite seem logical. And nowhere in the instructions did it say switch over back to the MyQ app. I, and I maybe, if I rewrite it now, it would Makes imply sense. that it would be there. but. It, doesn't make sense. You, you you talked about the Meros switches the other week and how easy that device <laughs> is. 
Well, of course, as you're good at making me spend my money, I bought a couple of those switches and it was super easy. You don't even need the Moros app. You yeah. can add it directly. I never oh. installed it. Didn't even right. look for it. Yeah. Which is brilliant. And it worked exactly as you think it would logically add the device. Boom. It's right there. You can even name, like I got the dual outlet ones uh -huh. and I'm like, well, it even tells me outlet one name, outlet two name. Great. It's awesome. So that's my expectation. So that's probably one recommendation that I'd make back to Chamberlain and say, hey, should make it really clear that you have to add the garage doors through my queue. As now, soon as I, I, I hate did to that. Be a Barry, uh, I hate to be a Bobby Ann, but uh, did you by any chance call Chamberlain and say, what's up? No. <laughs> okay. Could you reach over and grab the instructions and hit yourself in the head with them right now? Yes. Hang on. <laughs> Ow. So yeah, but that's that's a great point, right? It's a simple letter to customer service. But it I'm should sure it shouldn't be that way. It, it should right. be obvious how, how it works. And I, it seems to me that in the old days, and I'm going to say old days, like maybe two three years ago, you did have to do it that way. You had to go in, you had to install an app, and then go into that app and say shove it over to the to home. Uh, but lately, I haven't done it in so long. I'm not sure that would have occurred to me. It would have occurred to me to call them or text them or something. But uh, right, and that I, was it. I. I, for whatever reason, was adverse to like reaching out to customer support. <laughs> well, I think after a while we just get exhausted, right? You just right. get tired. Yeah, and I just and I also figured it's. I always think it's me, so I almost feel like I don't want to call, and then someone goes, "Well, hey, dummy, you just missed this one thing." See, let me but let me suggest you, day, you you look at that a different way, and I, and I'm a strong believer in this: is the best possible news is that you're an idiot. <laughs> right? Because if you're an idiot, they just go, you're an idiot. This is all you do. You go, okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. The right. bad news is when they go, oh yeah, that's a bug in the system and we're hoping to fix it in 2023. Right? right. Or, or it can't do that. The best answer is that you're an idiot. I love right. it when it's my fault. Cause then I, it's really easy to fix me. I know how to do that. Right. So yeah, that's <laughs> a great point. And as, as we'll talk about locks in a bit, I think that's going to be one, probably my next step is let's see if it's a feature that's there or something that's going to be in 2223. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So finally, you've got your MyQ garage uh, door opener into HomeKit. What yeah. have you, what have you done to, to set it up to go do cool things? Yeah. So the first thing is that the garage doors show up in the home app. I'm like, mm -hmm. sweet. So I given it some fancy name, like Barry's garage door and then it like appended garage door. So it's like <laughs> open Barry's garage door, garage door. Like, Okay. <laughs> Simple. Let's let's <laughs> rename it. No problem. And all I started doing was testing it on my watch because where I work is right next to the garage. So if I see, you know, again, I love automation and this is one thing I want to do is if that my front door, you know, someone presses the button, can I have it set to it opens the garage door if I'm here, like geolocate me oh. because I'll run out. You may have heard Allison. I like wine and you have oh, to sign yes. those boxes. So yeah. like, the, the driver comes, I have to sign for it. Well, instead of Bobby Ann running down from upstairs, I'm right here by the garage. I can just basically get the command. And that's what I do now. It's just on my watch. You know, hey, ass lady, open Barry's garage door. Boom. Right. I mean, it's flawless. I don't know why watch oh. and Siri seem to get along so much better than any other device, but it works great. I, want to I got, I've gotten to the point where I don't even use the button to open the garage door anymore. I just, Throw up my, you know, flick the wrist and wrist. And okay, then I am gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open my garage door right now because I have literally never done it through uh, S Lady, but I'm gonna press the button rather than saying S Lady. Open my Q garage door. 
You'll be able to hear it if it works, because I'm right above the garage. Ah. Can you hear it? Okay. The Mikey okay. garage door is open. I heard Siri. I didn't hear the... Uh, yeah, there's. The if somebody has good headphones on, they'll be able to hear a, a big hum in the background, because whenever Steve opens the garage door, I hear this. So I'm going to close uh. it again. Close my Q garage door. I've sent the request. All right. And this is, I, would, I don't know if we'll hear the beeping. Closing my Q garage door. There we go. Yeah, nice. I can hear a real high frequency noise outside. There it goes. It's closing. I've never done that, Barry. Why have I not thought of any of these things? I was just all excited that I could pull my phone out, launch the MyQ app, and press the button. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I wear the watch literally all the time. So for me, it's just like just natural. I'm constantly doing uh, S-lady commands through the watch just because I find it, its accuracy is far better than any other device. And I don't know if that's because the microphone and my mouth are so close or. I, yeah, I agree. Dic uh, dictation, for example, into the watch is really good. The next best is the phone and the worst is the Mac. Even yeah. with a good microphone, the Mac is like, oh, I don't know, I'll, I'll get close and maybe <laughs> maybe I'll type out exactly what you said and then erase it for no reason and replace it with, with gibberish. <laughs> uh, but, the, but the watch is more often right than wrong. I mean, yeah. I'd give it like 90%. It's really good. Yeah, it, it, it is really good. And I just found that's like the saving grace because A-Lady works really well. I don't use Google, so I don't know. But no, with a watch, I'm quite happy. And so I, one, I one little even trick. use it in the car. Work. Yep. Yeah, yeah. One little trick I would suggest, my one annoyance, and Steve is annoyed by this a lot too, is if you uh, if you say, hey, S lady, and you're near any other device, even though you raised your, your wrist to your to your face, one of the other ones, especially the HomePod minis, will go, oh, I got that. And it's like, no, I didn't want you to get this. I needed my watch to know this. But just press the button on the side, hold it, you know, hold the uh, digital crown and dictate. And you don't have to say, hey, S lady. You don't have to remember the term. You just tell her what you wanted to do. And that works really well. I don't want to touch anything. No. Well, there's that. It's your own. <laughs> well, so now back to uh, home automation. Have you gotten it to do anything in geofencing like what you talked about? So the geofencing one I'm struggling with, and I'm not sure why, because I set up a scene where whoever's the first one home, it opens their garage door for them, because we actually have two garage doors. Oh, okay. So I think that may have caused a little bit of the challenge that I have is that it's confused when Bobby Ann's home and I'm not vice versa. So I'm, I, last night when I was getting some notes ready, I'm like, I think I want to just wipe that clean and just focus in on me. And that's all about that you. Okay. Makes, well, as it should be. And uh, so that's, that's going to be my next thing. But what I do have it do is it does a couple of things. Like it sends, I got silly. I'm like, oh, you know, send me a notification if I'm home. And I use if this, then that with it, because it connects nicely with my queue. Send me a, a telegram message when someone comes home. And oh. so whether I'm home or Bobby Ann comes home, I get like 10 messages. It's like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> it's a little, it's overkill, but it shows the power of it. So I'm like, okay, let me now do a couple more things. I've tied it to lights that can go on like in the kitchen when I first walk in. And then the other thing that I want it to do is to then unlock. There's a, a deadbolt between the garage and our mudroom. Mm-hmm. If I can get that to automatically open, and I should, because it's my Q compatible, yeah. it would take off one step. I mean, okay, it's not a big deal. Just punch in the code. But I think they should tie together. So that's my next step. And I've, I've got some time over, over the holidays. I'm going to really deep dive into this stuff because 
I'm sure if I can't figure it out, someone else has. And if not, I know I'm going to be calling them and seeing if it's a feature or not. <laughs> so you mentioned it working with IFTTT. Um, I'm looking at the MyQ uh, page for works with. It works with Key by Amazon. That's the thing where Amazon gets to let themselves into your house, which I've never yeah, no, been. No, thanks. Not going to do that one. My Mitsubishi Connect. Maybe that's if you have a Mitsubishi car. Not sure what that one is. Mm -hmm. yep. Vivint. Vivint. That's some hard home, uh, smart home system. Ring. Link MyQ with Ring to monitor your garage status with the Ring app. Yeah. And sure. I think, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I have it connected. I don't use the Ring too much for that. We've got a couple of the cameras that work really well. Mm -hmm. And so it might be able to do that. So my general thing is with Ring, I've got the camera at the front door like you do. Although I don't have the cool sensor thing Steve made for you. But <laughs> it works great. And then it'll tell me someone's at the front door. So I want to see if I can connect that with the garage door somehow. Yeah, so, yeah. And you don't necessarily want it to open, but uh, some sort of... As long as I'm here. Yeah, it has to somehow know that I'm in the house. Yeah, the geofencing. I haven't done much with the geofencing. It works with Alarm.com, Google Assistant, IFTTT, Claire Controls, Tend, Alpine Audio Connect, Eve for Tesla. Ooh. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you... What is that? You, yeah, I didn't... It, it When I see some of these pictures, because they say, works great with your car. I'm like, okay, well, we have CarPlay. But then it specifically mentioned Tesla. So I know Tesla doesn't have CarPlay. So is that a, a, a downloadable app? Uh, yeah, Eve Connect 2, uh, smart home control, you're connected home with your Tesla. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm doing this. I don't nice. care how insecure it is. This is going to be awesome. No, um, I will find out with this. Oh, join now. Hmm. Well, we'll see how that works. So... Um, yeah, this has this been pretty interesting. I like the idea of uh, adding some more automation, and I'm embarrassed to have admitted that it just didn't occur to me to automate it. I was just so happy that it opened when I got close to the house when I pressed the button. Yeah. If it could do it uh, geofencing, that would be... I think I always yeah. would want it to open when I'm coming home. I think oh, so. Not I was when I'm walking, though. That's true, because you might you'll walk right by your house. So I guess there has to be some sort of trigger. and That might be a CarPlay opportunity because mm -hmm. i know with bluetooth i can trigger things when i first connect car or not bluetooth but, but, well actually maybe but bluetooth when i connect carplay, carplay yeah. i can run automations and in fact i do several things when i leave just like to make sure lights are off and, oh, and think so i'm thinking that if nothing else like i can put a delay in and it's like just close the garage door after a minute if i can't do the geofencing so yeah it's, it's funny because that first so once it started working i was like Driving in, driving out, driving in. The neighbors were all like, what's he doing? But it was- Barry's at it again. Yeah. And and the other thing I do like is that it, it you can set it to automatically close after being open for a set amount of time, which I do. I also added a, a rule that 1130 at night to just make sure all the garage doors are closed. So just little extra pieces of you know security in my mind so I can go to bed not worrying about the garage door being open. You know, I've been trying to convince Steve to do that piece of it, but every night he has a ritual that he, before he goes to sleep, he opens the door to the garage just to make sure that it's closed. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's right on your app. He goes, the garage door's right here. <laughs> just yeah, but you could do it with an app. It's got to exactly. be better, right? <laughs> Come on, Steve. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, you've got links to the Chamberlain Smart Garage uh, door opener and the HomeKit hub from uh, Chamberlain in the, uh, oh, you also got the one with the camera, didn't you? Yeah, and it's just really nice. And you can, it's a 360 camera. It's its not like it spins, but you can set it in any direction. So based upon how your garage is laid out, you can set it really nicely. 
and it's also got some tilt. So where, however deep your garage is, you can set it. So again, it's a nice view. So you can see someone coming and going. And of course, the way I have it set up, I can also see the garage door. So I get visual verification that it's open or closed. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's really really slick. Well, yeah, I don't cool. use it a ton, but it's just it's a nice feature. I figure if I'm going all in, let's get all that. Yeah, I would not put uh, the smart garage door opener near the top of my list of things to automate first. Uh, but it's a nice touch. I think that's a way to describe it. And having it open when you being able to open the garage door from the car when you drive up, that's a really nice feature. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, that's living in the future, right? It's just everything's <laughs> automatic. Go into the car you know, opens up, head out, closes for you automatically and vice versa. Now when the car that's drives the, for us, that's when I'll be happy. Yeah, you're getting close. <laughs> Not as close as, as I hoped. Hey, Barry, <laughs> this was this is really fun. I enjoyed learning about uh, your perspective on this. Uh, and uh, if people want to follow you online, where would they go? Um, yeah, I'm out there on Instagram and Twitter. I don't post a lot. Usually if I'm you know, having friends over and having a couple of drinks or well, I should really say not so much nowadays, but <laughs> I was out at Napa Valley. So that usually leads to wine tastings, which leads to me posting pictures of the wine. Uh, so you can follow me at Falk B. That's F-U-L-K-B and on both Twitter and Instagram. Very good. All right. Thanks a lot, Barry. Appreciate you coming on. All right. Thanks, Allison. Have, appreciate you having me. Well, that is going to wind us up for this week. And remember, there is no live show next week and the show will come out early. But in the meantime, did you know you can email me at allison at podfeet.com anytime you like? If you have a question or a suggestion or a review, you can just send it on over. Now, I'm no longer on Facebook, so Twitter's a good place to follow me online at Podfeet. Better yet, I'd love it if you join our Slack community at podfeet.com slash Slack. It is hopping over there, but in just just chatty enough way. It's not too chatty, but a lot of new people have come in lately. Uh, I assume they're Facebook refugees and we welcome them all with open arms. A lot of people are, are uh, having conversations, helping each other. We've been just having a blast in there. So again, go to podfeet.com slash slack to join our community. Remember, everything good starts with podfeet.com. You can support the show at podfeet.com slash Patreon, or you could do a one-time donation at podfeet.com slash PayPal. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, head on over to podfeet.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time, except not next week. And there you can join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.